Welcome, everyone, to the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Every week on this show, we discuss a movie, and then one of the podcasters suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All the movies are available from the major streaming services so that you can participate with us. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I am joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Alicia Walker. Hi. Brooke Merritt. Hello. Josh Dean. Hello. Nathan McKinney. Hello. And Zach Rowland. Hey. And today we're discussing Zach's selection, Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy, uh, the star-studded, Gary Oldman-led film based on the John Le Carre, Le Carre, I'll pick one in post, uh, novels. Um, but first, we're going to talk about what we've been watching lately. Aaron, what have you been watching lately? Uh, man, you know, I haven't been watching all that much. Uh, Josh, been- what have you been watching lately? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Burn! Sing. <laughs> Come on, Aaron. Uh, before I was rudely interrupted, uh, <laughs> I, I've been watching some older movies. Uh, I just got a super deluxe 4K edition of Tremors, the original, the good one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 4K doesn't really help it. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's pretty much what I've been doing. I uh, haven't had much time to watch anything other than the movies that you know we're we're picking for this okay josh what have you been watching uh well i've just completed a we do a yearly 24-hour christmas movie marathon my friends and i um this year's theme was uh super sweet 16 as it's our 16th year so we watched nothing but superhero movies set at christmas time um so <laughs> Batman yeah, that Batman seems very returns. niche Batman Returns, Batman Returns, <laughs> Iron Man Three, Shazam. So you know we had a pretty good selection and Die Hard for some because we watch it every year. Um, <laughs> but uh, besides all that, I saw a movie called She Dies Tomorrow. It's uh, a new horror movie, but it's uh, another mumblecore indie horror movie. Um, <laughs> so if you can make it through the first 20 minutes in which nothing happens, absolutely nothing happens. Uh, it picks up uh, with a, a woman who is sure she's going to die tomorrow. And slowly everyone within her orbit begins to believe they are going to die tomorrow also. Um, so it kind of spreads like a virus. Um, but uh, it's interesting um not for everybody but you can check it out what, on hulu i think what exactly is a mumblecore horror movie <laughs> mumblecore is uh this that genre of just uh Jeff maybe who lives at home yeah exactly maybe improvised maybe uh just really low stakes low <laughs> energy uh yeah acting style hump day um, Trying to think of other mumblecore movies we've done. Yeah, Hump Day is a good example. Um, I'm 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 just connecting them all. What's that? I think that's the only one we've done, isn't it? Have we done another mumblecore movie? Uh, I see. I always, I always free associate mumblecore to the guys that directed, uh, 
Jeff who lives at home. Those those yeah. brothers. Who are those guys again? The Duplass. Yeah. They're like the current well, kings. So of we saw Mumble. one with one of them, and that was a Mumblecore movie. As you guys mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, that was Hump Day, yeah. Hump Day. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they don't get uh they don't get a whole lot of attention on this show. Um for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Zach, how about you? What have you been watching? Um, I've actually been watching quite a few films. Uh, I'm, I won't talk about all of them. I'll just try to get through the list. Uh, I went back and rewatched uh, Fargo. What a great classic, Coen Brothers. The uh, original, just so good. Um, it's like so quick to watch, too. It's only like an hour and 40 minutes long. It's a great, yeah. great film. Um, uh, got into... Uh, I, I had to follow up with some 007. I don't know why. I watched Quantum of Solace because it's like one of the least talked about Daniel Craig ones. And I was like, what was that one about? And then I remembered why yeah. it's the least talked about uh, Daniel Craig one. because it, It's I was about like, two oh, and right. a half hours long. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, did me some uh, Disney plus uh, Endeavors. Uh, did uh, uh, Aladdin live action. Um, which I loved when it, I saw it in the theaters when it first came out. I thought it was actually one of the ones that they downplayed a lot and uh, is really good. Guy Ritchie directed it and it shows it's so good for a live action compared to Mulan 2020, which was hot garbage. Uh, I mean, they just did that one up wrong, uh, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I just I, I was really disappointed with Mulan. Um so that was, you know, some Disney dives. Oh, and the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, of course, because I'm a Lego fan. Um, <laughs> oh, how was actually that? pretty good. I actually thought it was very well done. I liked I'm it. not big on, yeah, I'm yeah, not big on the Lego too. Star Wars, but man, it was fun. It, it, they just they were making fun of themselves, and I thought it was great. It's the um, sequel trilogy characters, right? Mostly. It's all of them. It's like oh, everything. It's all of them. Okay. Oh yeah, but it, it's it starts off with sequel trilogy characters, but it goes deep. There's actually some good deep cuts in there too, which I really appreciated. Okay. Were, were there um, any callbacks to the original holiday special? Oh yeah, yes, yes. Which <laughs> no, then I also have to do that. yeah, and then I also went back and rewatched that on YouTube because I watch it every year. <laughs> I what? I love it. I I love how terrible it is. It's the best. <laughs> it's I two hours of torture. <laughs> I've never watched uh, it, but you know, I had the album. I had the album up until yes. probably 1995, and I threw it away because I didn't know what I had. That what? shit would have been oh. worth so much money. That's a gem. I know That's it had like their the pictures rough. on it, and I mean, I ha- and I listened to it. I uh. thought it was great. I didn't know because we didn't have the internet then that yeah. everybody else in the world hated it. I thought it was. I thought it was solid. What do you get a Wookiee so when he already good. has a comb? Uh, just like hours of listening to Wookiees talk with no context is the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I'm gonna have to eat, look it up on YouTube. I, I have not watched I, oh, yeah. it. Don't watch it. Um, it's 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 so terrible. But there's there's so many like the the story of how that came to be and like the the train wreck that that. It became um, like all of that stuff is really, really interesting and and profoundly dumb. Um, the whole uh, uh, Wookies with no subtitles that was like the chief George Lucas contribution to the holiday special. That was like the one thing that he insisted on. Yeah, 
and then they turn that into like the wraparound for the whole thing for the whole variety show so you're just stuck with these characters you can't understand and then like <laughs> a bunch of like old people variety people that they could get to be in it be arthur yeah yeah, it, Some, I don't know others, if we're supposed to yeah. shout out to other podcasts, but uh, the Stuff You Should Know podcast has a pretty good hour-long episode about the backstory. It's it's worth kind of digging up. Apparently, they show it every, play it every year, so it's probably in everybody's. It, it's completely insane. Um, it's it it it's like officially not known who the director really was of it, but. They had a director at first, and the only thing that they shot before they fired him or before he was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on and I'm out of here, was the B. Arthur song where she like pours the stuff into the top of Harvey Corman's head. The like, you know, <laughs> the her the Star Wars holiday special version of Closing Time um, <laughs> song that she sings. <laughs> One more round, friends. That that whole thing. Oh, good, dear God. <laughs> yeah, uh, Brooke, it, um, how about you? Um, so I haven't been watching a whole lot, but I did. Um, so I started watching Treme by the creators of The Wire. They're lesser known, lesser talked about show, but I thought it was great. Uh, I think there were five seasons. I binged it beginning to end. Can't remember what years it came out now, but um, it's based around New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, the aftermath, the first couple of years. Uh, great, great show. Uh, could not recommend it enough. Uh, excellent. So I've watched that. Um, and a show on Netflix that I've really enjoyed We Are the Champions. It's a good time waster, um, good, happy, ridiculous show. It's just about different competitions around the world that are just utterly ridiculous and silly, like cheese rolling competition. Uh-huh. Um, the Yeah, the hairstyling competitions. I've only gotten a few episodes in, but it's a good time waster, uh, entertaining and silly. For a minute in my uh, head, when you said we are the champions, my mind went to Bohemian Rhapsody and I was like, really, you watched <laughs> that? Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, I just <laughs> discovered that one. It's a real it's a light good time watch. waster. So easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just just lightweight. Yeah. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> where um, where Freddie Mercury rolls a cheese log down the hill. You guys know it. That's in the extended cut. <laughs> yeah, Brian Singer's cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my show's confused here. <laughs> all i got really oh that's all you got okay <laughs> I, I told you i haven't been watching anything you, I, you were, I thought you were looking down and consulting a list for your next no, thing I, and you were just no that's hanging your head in shame i managed to watch a, a movie i watched our movie <laughs> does that count alicia how about you that's all i got uh hey we uh finished up mandalorian which i know is a lot of buzz at the moment um I also finished The Undoing on HBO with uh, Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman, uh, which was also pretty good. Um, it's not something you have to see, but it's six episodes and is kind of a good uh, just personality study. Um, but probably what I enjoyed watching most this week was uh, the Billy Wilder movie Ace in the Hole with Kirk Douglas. Um, he's a newspaper man and, and it's a, uh, 
a, a situation where he finds himself somewhere and has an opportunity to hype um, a tragedy that is happening that most people wouldn't even know was occurring and hypes it to such a degree that it quite literally becomes a circus, like the circus comes to town and camps out in front of what's happening, which is a guy trapped. There's a guy trapped in a cave-in is essentially the original story. Oh, and, I kind of remember and, that, uh, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, I don't want to give away what happens at the end, although a lot of you might be able to figure it out, but but it's it was a really good kind of examination of of the media circus getting out of control and, and um, you know, the attention span of the public and, and their own hyping of a situation and, and everything. It was it was really well done. I really liked it. I think that's what the Simpsons spoofed in that episode where Bart falls down the well or pretends to fall down the well. Oh, yeah. And like Sting shows up and they're like singing songs to him and trying to dig him out. Probably, yeah. Because they're singing songs on this, too. Yeah. We're sending our love down the well. <laughs> wow so impressive. but he didn't actually he wasn't actually in there and then they all got mad and like someone shoved him into the well and then oh. they actually did have to rescue him or something something along those lines it's been like 25 years since i've seen it but well it's not you still remembered the song so that's pretty good yeah uh because crusty the clown is like doing like the the extra notes in there all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> the Joe Cocker you. part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, another movie that we did watch, um, but we've kind of talked about it on this podcast already, um, so we won't belabor the point, is uh, we did watch Sound of Metal. Um, I think we both really enjoyed that. Um, kind of reminded me a lot of... Uh, the one about the kid drumming and it's got Philip K Simmons in it or whatever. Whiplash reminded me a lot about, of that one. Kind of, um, good old Philip K Simmons, whatever is it? That's just such a better name. J.K. Simmons, just J.K. Simmons. Oh, Jeffrey Simmons. Okay. Yes. Just kidding. Simmons. All right. So that's why you keep Wait, me Wait, who guys. are we talking about? <laughs> I don't even know, man. <laughs> Wait, you're serious? Uh, so the other thing is uh, uh, we are now officially halfway through the Timothy Dalton era of uh, the uh, Bond series. Uh, we watched The Living Daylights. Um, so I hadn't so seen it probably about 15 years. Yeah. yeah, we watched one of the two. <laughs> it was honestly the one I remember, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to read, uh, watch the second one because the second one's supposed to be really violent and dark, so that'll be fun. But uh, I liked it a lot. I don't think it was on par with um, the highlights that I've enjoyed so far. I think mainly my challenge with it was it was kind of low stakes, and uh, the the guy that becomes the CIA guy later, the um, who's in all the M- uh, MST3K. Felix Slider. No. no. He's no, talking the about general, the, the general that's in the, that always gets made fun of on Mystery Science Theater. Um, <laughs> uh, not Tom. I'll think of it later. It's a he. He ends up being a Joe Don Baker. Joe Don Baker. Joe Don Baker. Oh. Wow. His character is absolutely the worst thing on the whole screen the yeah. entire time you're there. Yeah, <laughs> it's he, Joe Don Baker. 
He, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's in his little war room with all his little like armies and stuff and he's hamming it up as much as he can. And it's just not working for me. But yeah. everything else, I mean, Timothy Dalton, I mean, I'm really sad they didn't give him more movies, honestly, because I think he probably would have made a really outstanding bond if they'd given him a chance. Yeah. Well, um, I've been keeping up with your honor on Showtime, uh, the new Brian Cranston series. I've been pretty happy with it so far. Um, so I think I finished chapter three. I think I think that's what has come out so far. There's going to be nine of them total um, through the end of January uh, 2021. So um, that's been cool. And then after a five month uh, mental uh, break, I finished The Last of Us Part Two on the PlayStation Four, um, which will be my final. It will be my farewell to the PlayStation Four era. I'm I'm now a PlayStation Five. Uh, owner and getting started with that but um the last of us part two uh was a very divisive game as far as people that played it um critics were pretty much unanimously praising it and giving it 10 out of 10s and talking about how great it is um i think it's a fantastic story it's one of the most brutal heartbreaking uh, stories out there and I found out that the thing that made me stop playing it was that the game was making me do something that I didn't want to do as a player and so I stopped and I was like I'm, I'm going to come back to this when I can be less when, when I'm a little bit less engaged with what's happening in the story so I can just trudge through this thing I don't really want to do and it turned out that the game wanted me to to push buttons to play through a section to get to the point where the character makes the decision that I ultimately wanted them to make in the first place. So it was sort of a all for nothing uh, thing on my part. But I was in this zone where, like, I started it back in July. I played it all month long. Um, and then on like July 28th, I got to this section and I was, and I was, I was enjoying it, but I got to this section on July 28th where I was like, COVID sucks. Um, this is not an escape from all the horrible shit that's going on. The, uh, the, the presidential election is not an escape from what's going on. Uh, I need to do something else. And so I turned my PlayStation off for, for five months and, and waited and then uh my son and i were bored over the weekend and so i just cranked it up and he watched me play the last five hours or whatever it was that i had left of the game to go so wow that's deep it's 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 a really really phenomenal uh experience and i know uh as a rule we don't really talk about video games on this show um but The Last of Us is a series that has so such a great narrative. Um, you could literally watch a playthrough of that game, uh, especially if the person didn't have like a commentary on it, like if they weren't talking about what they were doing or what they had for breakfast and they just showed you the gameplay. And you'd have a pretty compelling 20-hour movie. So... Hmm. 
it's it's that well done and the first one was that way as well um but the first one was a lot more universally liked by the fans um i think because it was a lot more ambiguous uh as to what happens in the first one you can kind of extrapolate it the way you want it to and the second one is much more of a concrete this is the story they wanted to tell not the story you necessarily want them to tell so um uh zach suggested a movie we watched it it was a spy thriller called tinker taylor soldier spy thriller uh (laughs) i had seen it before was there anyone this was a new movie for Nathan, Josh. Okay. Uh, Josh, why don't you go first and tell us what you thought of the Tinker Tinker Taylor soldier spy thriller. Tinker. Right. Thriller. Tinker. Yes. Uh, So uh, I first was shocked by how I recognized every single actor in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yes. Every time the camera cut to somebody, I was like, Oh, Syrian Hines. Oh, Toby Jones. Oh, uh, Tom Hardy's in a phone booth. So, uh, yeah, Lady Edith's in this movie for two seconds. (laughs) Right. Um, yeah, just so many, uh, such a stacked cast. I was uh, super surprised that I hadn't seen it yet. Um, I I know that it there was a mini series of this back in the day seventy nine they did a okay. mini series of it with uh, I believe Anthony Hopkins was the uh, Gary Oldman character I think it was Alec Guinness Alec Guinness okay oh. there you okay. go so Mr Smiley um, yeah I liked how everybody had like great names like Dickensian names like Mr. Smiley and Mr. Tar and or wait Mr. Feather I don't know I forget uh, Tom Hardy's <laughs> name but uh, yeah um I kept thinking like a mini series might have been the way to go on it just to let it breathe a little bit more um to get a little more character work in but in terms of like a spy thriller tinker movie um I really enjoyed it um I uh, I thought there were good performances, and I liked the story. It, you had to really pay attention to it and engage with it, um, which is kind of rare, I think. Um, so, yeah, thumbs up for me. You mentioned the miniseries, and I uh, I I agree with you. I thought I thought that um, I thought this was the first time I saw it that it it needed more time and space for you to get to know all of those characters that they stunt cast so high. And I think they stunt cast those characters so much so that you wouldn't automatically know that it was like, you know, there's like a whole bunch of nobodies and then there's Colin Firth. So it's obviously (laughs) going to be Colin Firth kind of thing. Um, uh, Tom Hardy played Ricky Tar, which is the funniest name in the whole thing. I thought, um, but yeah, that's. But um, apparently, the miniseries, uh, the '79 miniseries, is awful. Um, it it is also a lot of just people sitting around and talking. And I think if you're not like taking notes and keeping track of what everyone is saying about everyone else, like it's really hard to follow um, what's going on. So it's too bad. I, I tried to track down a copy. Um, before we got started, but I wasn't able to. Um, I think I found like the first 
30 minutes of the first episode, but that was about it. Um, so Nathan. Well, first of all, I want to clarify. I think it's Rick Kitar. Am I right? <laughs> now, this was long before the Kitar, my friend. <laughs> Darn it. This is how the uh, Kitar was born. That's right. <laughs> the Kitar was named after this Kitar character. Kitar origin story. That's right. Um, I want so Tom Hardy to play the Kitar. <laughs> With that hair. He has With to keep hair. the hair. Yeah. I'd watch uh, that. Okay, so I I really came into this movie pretty blind. I mean, I knew it was kind of a spy story, and I knew it had a hell of a lot of like important actors in it, and that's about all I knew about it. Uh, and without someone sitting next to me kind of helping me hobble along through it, to be honest with you, I think I would have been entirely lost for 90% of it. Uh, in fact, I would say the first time tom hardy's character comes on and kind of tells his part of the story was the first part i was actually really truly engaged with this I agree movie with you. um and that's it 42 because, minutes I and it's it just down. i i want to watch it again and i'll be honest with you i feel like i can't give you a real strong opinion about this because it's one of those movies that begs to be rewatched and i'm gonna probably just sit back and enjoy this discussion but my initial opinion of it was I don't think one one watch is nearly enough to make a real strong opinion. And yeah, my first watch, I was just like, "What?" Yeah, I mean, I definitely, <laughs> totally agree that a miniseries would have at least given you a chance to kind of stretch some of these characters a little bit further because there's a lot of uh, heavyweight acting in that room, and none of it's getting used hardly. In fact, honestly, Gary Oldman gets used to a very minimal degree because he's pretty just calm and dead most yeah. of the movie he has like you know? one or two scenes <laughs> that he really stands out and, and does something um yeah. but the rest of it is just you know his mike pensive and trying to figure out what's happening and um he's also like quasi fired like there's people that don't really know that he's trying to find this mole that just think he got axed from the the company completely um but yeah, I I watched when I watched it the first time. I was like, when Tom Hardy showed up, it's like, oh okay, yeah, here's where the story is. And then everything else involving Tom Hardy's character is interesting. But the rest of the movie is just kind of lost. And what I wanted them to do at the first forty minutes, instead of just kind of show you, you know, a day in the life of these guys that are going to be our our suspects going forward. Like there needed to be like, I don't know, a 10 year history of these characters. And that's where I felt like a miniseries would be good where if they had like, you know, um, like a, like a second cast of young versions of the characters doing things. So yeah. like, you know, we don't necessarily have, uh, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch isn't around for the, for the early part of the story I wanted to see, but we've got Colin Firth and we've got John Hurt and we've got, you know, I, I honestly think that the star power actually hurt my, my watch on this because it was too distracting for me to go, Oh look, there's Colin Firth. Oh look, there's Toby there, you know, and, and just the whole time I, and the scenes were so damn short, especially in that first 45 minutes of everybody. I wasn't catching it. So, 
Yeah, I I almost wish this was a foreign flick in a foreign language where I could read the subtitles and which we could have done, which we could have done, but like really focus me on the story. Don't distract me with the glitz. I can um, see that. This also yeah. came out like like the yeah. instant that Benedict Cumberbatch became a household name. So like if it had come out like six months before it did, he would have just been another actor in the movie. But it just so happened that he blew up and everybody was like, why is he blonde? That's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm just going to sit thinking. back here. You guys that keep was talking. Well, Alicia, why don't you take it from there? And how, how you helped um, Nathan Translate. with his remedial first viewing of the film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, this is my third viewing. So I had a little bit of an advantage there. I, I saw it when it first came out in the theater uh, but it was the it was the end of a very long work week, and it was the real late show, and it was a very warm oh, theater. God. So <laughs> I, I, I think <laughs> I dropped off several times in the middle and woke up and went, "What the fuck did I just watch?" So um, then I then I watched it later when it came out on video, more home viewing, and liked it. But you know, was just then getting a grasp of it. Uh, so this time, knowing the main plot and knowing all the big points and the big, you know, twists and reveals, because that's the thing about this movie, I think, is they, they'll have a very short line that is so important to what is happening. And if you blink and you missed it, then you're like, what just, ha- what did I just miss? Yeah. So since I already knew the main plot points, I could listen for those and observe a lot more of what was happening with the characters and the story, but I, I totally agree with all you guys. This needs to be a limited series just because it, you know, because of that fact that you're going to blink and miss something and you have, you know, people like, you know, like uh, Toby Jones is in there. I, I don't know his character at all. I just know he took over and he's running witchcraft. I mean, that's even after the third viewing, I don't feel like I really, and maybe some of that is on purpose. They don't want you to know them too much so that you suspect everybody. Well, yeah. And um, I had, I had retained so little from the first time that I watched it that I forgot who it ended up being. And so for a while I was, I was thinking it was Toby Jones's character. And then I thought it was David Densick's character. And Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, by the time it got to Colin Firth, it's like, oh, okay. And then there were things about Colin Firth's character that I picked up this time that I completely, missed before because it's done oh, yeah. so subtly yes um that you, it's just not they don't spoon figure any of that information to you so right so i i i really think you know for it to be this movie that's just this two-hour movie the more i watch it the more i do like it so i don't i even though i still find it difficult i think i'm enjoying i i think i'll want to rewatch this several times in the future uh, besides appreciating like the really washed out look of everything, uh, I love the little central room of the circus that's got like the orange sound foam on it, uh, mm. and and you know behind them all the time, and yeah, all those little details like stuff in Smiley's house, uh, you know, like when Colin Firth's there having the affair and his shoes are undone and stuff <laughs> like that. You know, those little things that I I didn't catch the first two times uh, yeah. as mu- as as easily. Like I really. Like that's and you know what Gary Oldman, uh, he is one of those people that could do about anything, and I think he's great, and he totally encapsulates the character he is and changes his entire body and stuff like that. Uh, I, best glasses acting I've ever seen. 
<laughs> great, great glasses acting. So, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have much to say, but I think that's what's great about his character is it's all just this dead look and you just see him processing everything. So I really like that. So I, I did really like the movie. I liked it a lot more than the first two times I saw it. So I just think it's one I'll continue to want to see. I did try to read after the first viewing when I fell asleep. Yeah. I did try to read the George Le Carre book and also didn't make it all the way through. I didn't fall asleep, but I just kind of trailed off on it because it is it's just really dense material when in yeah. his books. So so uh yeah, I liked it overall. Burke, how about you? Uh, yeah, I had seen it when it came out. hadn't seen it since. Uh, I remembered I had seen it, but I remembered nothing about it. But that's the usual for me. Uh, but I liked it. Uh, of course, solid cast. But it did kind of become. I think Nathan made made a great point. It was like almost like romper room where oh, I see Colin Firth, <laughs> I see Tom Hardy, I see Toby Jones. Like it was so distracting because there were so many recognizable people. That should be your pull quote on the movie. <laughs> It's like Rumpel. I'll just put that on the box, stick it on there. That's what it was like. I just, it was so, I just like, I was like, oh, hey, I didn't remember that he was in this, or I didn't know who he was back then. Oh, wow, which is kind of distracting. It was the right movie for the mood. It was a cold, dreary day when I watched it, so it was good for that. Um, Good old-fashioned spy stuff. I liked the way it was shot. Great attention to detail, which Alicia mentioned. I was. I even wrote that in my little comments. The detail was was fantastic. Um, it was good, but I agree with what everybody else has said so far. It's just. It's a lot. It's so dense and heavy that I still don't feel like I took much of it in. I liked it. I appreciated it for what it was, but. I still feel like I don't really remember a lot of what I watched because there was so, so much going on that was so hard to follow. Agree with everybody saying it's it's much better material for a miniseries. I would have enjoyed it much more because it's just too much to condense into that time frame. Yeah, and there's there's so many characters too, like beyond the, you know, the big name cast that we recognize that do so much with so little screen time um the uh uh arena character the russian who's played by uh svetlana kodachenkva um a russian actress that they just brought in for like two scenes of this movie she's amazing um laura carmichael who i mentioned before lady edith is in a scene and she manages to like completely establish that that character is like, like in love with Benedict Cumberbatch's character and like, will do anything for him. And then you kind of expect her to be the one that brings the bag to him, like as an excuse to, you know, talk to him a second time, but instead they send it down through their normal system and it's Belinda, the new blonde then hands it to him and she's established like literally just so that she can hand it to him and he can say, Oh, thanks Belinda. And that's it. And if you're not paying attention to what that character's name is, you don't see that, you know, that connective tissue at all. Um, so Aaron, how about you? What did you think? Man, you know, I wouldn't watch this when it first came out and I really think this movie benefited from watching it in a theater. And the reason being is I got, 
I got really easily distracted away from what was happening on screen because there wasn't often that things were happening on screen. Well, it's just a lot of sitting uh, and talking. Yeah. That's and, the movie. And so I'd, I'd kind of get distracted by other things. Um, and I, I agree that the movie hurt itself by having such a stellar cast. Like it's, it's so strange. Like I, I couldn't, Gary Oldman was not George Smiley. He was just Gary Oldman. Yeah. yeah. Colin Firth was not Bill Hayden. He was just Colin Firth. Um, I was seeing them as the actors instead of the character. And, uh, that distracted me quite a bit, but all in all, the story it is telling is, is compelling. I really wish that I could, uh, actually sit down and find time to read the book because it, I know there's more to it than what's presented in this movie. And, and I'd like to, I'd like to get more story about these characters because they were, uh, for, for the little bit that they were on screen, um, you know, they, they were compelling, uh, the, the interactions, the subtle interactions between Colin Firth's character and Mark Strong's character. Um, I'd, I'd really like to, to, see what was going on there um i think uh i think aaron one of the nice things about the book when i was reading it too is you do get to find out a lot more about george smiley and his process and what he's thinking and where he's been so that's you know kind of the backdrop of all this kind of what he's bringing into it which we don't see that quite as much in the movie that's fair i i definitely want to read it one day but um well, so the Colin Firth thing is that, as I understand it from the second viewing, I did not catch this in the first viewing, is that Colin Firth and Mark Strong were like in a relationship and that him, uh, that Colin Firth's uh, affair with Gary Oldman's wife was a strategy to keep Gary Oldman from noticing that he was also the mole. They, they wanted to plant the idea in Gary Oldman's head that the reason that this guy was like secretive and weird around him was because he was trying to hide this affair. But then they just made it completely obvious to Gary Oldman that there was an affair going on and Gary Oldman just sort of <laughs> accepted it. It's like, all right, whatever. Yeah. I was kind of confused during that, um, that final scene between Colin Firth and Gary Oldman, when um, you know they, they reveal that Mark Strong's character tipped Colin Firth's character off, um, that it was a trap. Well, the super subtle moment is when they are uh, whose apartment? Oh, so after after Mark Strong's character supposedly is killed off in Hungary. Colin Firth and somebody else go to his apartment to like make sure there's no spike stuff there. And Colin Firth finds a picture of him and Mark Strong like arm in arm with each other. And he tucks that away. And and that's like our only clue up to that point that they have some kind of a relationship. Well, okay. we had seen that picture earlier, though, because when they yep. went to visit 
what's her name that was the the woman working at the office that was let go she gets it out and wants to reminisce oh, about the good old days so we had already Burke's seen character. that yeah we went we had seen that early on when she was pulling those out and talking about the good old days back at at the circus and then yeah and then we see him kind of in that flashback at the end and then benedict cumberbatch is also gay and he has to break up with his boyfriend so that they can't use that against him later if they catch on to the the mole search and and that's like another like it's just a scene that happens and that's it we're not that's no longer part of the story what i got confused about at the end was in the scene where he he says that um uh, mark strong's character jim knew the entire time that colin first character was the mole he says you did too and I'm, I never picked up that Gary Oldman suspected other than, hey, one of the five people in this room is a mole. Well, no, he, know, he knows that Colin Firth is lying to his face all the time because he knows about the affair. And Gary Oldman doesn't know that Colin Firth knows that he knows about the affair. <laughs> so do, do you see where I'm going? Yeah, like, yeah. it's tough. That's That's... That's what he means by it. It's like you knew all along that I was a piece you of shit, see it. but you couldn't <laughs> yeah. see just how much of a piece of shit I am. Okay. I, I assumed that he was saying that Gary Oldman knew the entire time that he was the mole. And I'm like, not what? literally. Yeah. I, not like li- that he literally knew, but that there was the subtlety, the enough subtleties there that he knew, but didn't know. Okay. Which was well, their strategy. I kind of wondered if really Colin Firth and Mark Strong's characters, if that was an actual, if they've acted on what could be potential feelings to each other, or if there was just some acknowledgement that they had some feelings for each other that existed without it becoming a relationship per se and to that level, you know what I mean? If they're just treating it as we're the best of friends and maybe really felt a certain way about you, or, or it could be Colin Firth just playing him like he's playing other people to establish those relationships. I think that's how he actually knew he was the spy because they probably had some sort of connection relationship, but then Colin Firth went out and did the, uh, the effect outside that, that night. So it's like, he gave him that funny look at the party. Good point. Mm-hmm, and was like, wink, wink. I like you. I like you. Yeah. I like you too. And then he went out and fucked the other guy's wife. Yeah. A cursory. Which makes no sense if he was not straight, you know? <laughs> well, a, a cursory look at um, uh, like people talking about it on IMDb and people talking about the book and all of that sort of stuff. Um, people say that uh, one of two things is true. Either Colin Firth's character is gay and took one for the team with the affair to put that strategy in place or that that character is bisexual and hides the homosexual side of that character because of the times and the and, and so forth is but i th- i could even be the third i mean it could be that he's playing mark strong too because he wants to find sure. out information if, I, I think that's part of what's cool. Is it is very ambiguous, and you just don't know. Doesn't he have a throwaway line about 
uh, I was with a girl last night, and there's also a boy too, or something like that. Uh, uh, at the at the end, he tell he asks uh, Gary Oldman's character to do a little bit of house cleaning for him. Okay, and he mentions a girl that he'd like to give money to, and and says like, and "Tell her I love he wants her," or to something. tell he's sorry I, I or something. Know. Right, right. Yeah. Well, we also don't know if those are adults or children. <laughs> that, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's what I kind of assumed. I liked this probably 20% better than I did the first time I saw it. And the first time I saw it, I think I found it very forgettable and confusing. And, um, you know, I, I like the idea that having watched it again, I've, I connected to it more. I figured out a little bit more what was going on. Um, and kind of echoing what Nathan said, you know, like it's a movie I'd get more out of if I watched the second time. Um, had Zach not suggested it, I probably never would have given this movie another chance because it just didn't didn't really do much for me. Um, but what I will say, and Alicia, I, I'm sorry to hear that the book is not uh, any more gripping or 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 page turning. Um, but what this reminded me a lot of, and it is sort of kind of based on, uh, uh, there's, it's sort of kind of based on some, some real life events, which were written into a speculative fiction book called The Company. Um, and The Company was written by uh, Robert Littell, L-I-T-T-E-L. Um, it is just a masterpiece about the history of the CIA and sort of spycraft all around the world. Um, the particular connection to this story is that um, this story is is semi based on the spy Kim Philby, who is a was a famous uh, Russian double agent that worked at MI6 um, just for decades. And it was probably like the most successful double agent of all time. Um, he got, they, they sort of thought were onto him at one point and fired him. And then um, they kind of hired him back. He was like a journalist and like a, an SIS operative uh, again in Europe for a while. And then it finally started to become obvious that he really was this high profile mole and so he defected to Russia and lived out the rest of his life, um, kind of like uh, in the Americans or, or that sort of thing. Um, but Kim Philby's story is part of the company, like the CIA dealing with the fallout of that and, and having the same sort of uh, issues with their, um, their problems. And uh, it was, that was made into a miniseries in 2007, on I think TBS, TBS or TNT or something like that, um, and uh, Michael Keaton plays the main character or like the sort of head of the unit that that's kind of the most interesting character in the company. Um, but I would I would recommend that book uh, to people that wanted something like this story, but but better and more. And while the company is based in reality, obviously most of it is classified. And so it's very speculative about what things actually happened. 
Um, but it's uh, it's it's sort of a history of the CIA from its inception up through the end of the Cold War. So, um, big long book, but a a page turner you, that you will absolutely finish. So, a thriller, one might say. Yes, spy spy <laughs> a, spy thriller. A a thriller spy with um, no tinkering or tailoring in it. Um, <laughs> I thought just, while we're on the the whole tinkers and tailors and all of that sort of thing, when he's like making chess piece paper dolls, I thought that was the dumbest like thing. Like that was the one time the movie was like, okay, we're gonna dumb this down for the audience. And then there's like one chess piece that has like like a very small label at the bottom that says Carla, and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so which one was the queen i was trying to remember because i remember one of the characters was the queen smiley right yeah. wasn't it smiley i believe uh, it was smiley let's see there was there was some beggar man taylor soldier poor man tinker, i think tinker was a Carla. rook i think tinker was a rook tinker was a rook taylor was a bishop yep and soldier was the queen i think i thought i think so yeah and so that was either uh, that was either Smiley or it was. Uh, uh, well, S- Smiley was Beggar Man. Yeah, but they just don't say it in the movie. But that's yeah. what he was. Uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, the Herman Munster. Ch- Cheeran Hines. Cheeran Ro- Hines. Yeah. Cheeran yeah, Hines Roy, was the soldier. Lance Mater. He was the queen. Roy- so yes, it would have been funnier if Colin Firth had been the the queen. Maybe they thought that would give too much away. Yeah. (laughs) But I just, like, that whole thing was, like, if they had done it, like, um, and and this movie didn't do this sort of thing, but if they had done it where, like, the face kind of popped up, you know, in, like, a a video effect from the chess piece, like, that would have been an interesting, like, clue to the audience. But the idea that Smiley is actually sitting there like gluing these paper dolls onto chess pieces. I think pieces. that was Control. Control had done that, I uh, think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, they both found, so they they found nuts. Right. Yeah. They found controls, but then Smiley did make his own pieces too. Yeah. Oh, he didn't use controls? I thought he just I thought them. he had just confiscated controls and started using them as part of his thought process. Uh, yeah, I think that he did. He took them and then he added, he to, added them to them more pieces. Oh, okay. Because there was a pawn too that he ends up using, which is the guy who's the most forgettable, which is the bald guy who transfers all of the documents that is in front of the plane and he like he starts oh, crying yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. He's the pawn. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm going to go on the record and say that <laughs> I really wish that the director for this had been Wes Anderson. And I think oh, it would God. have been a much better movie <laughs> as a silly lark. Same exact cast. Just add Bill Murray somewhere. <laughs> So, so here's a couple interesting things. Bill Murray played Tom Hardy's part. Yeah, (laughs) for no reason. Here's a couple (laughs) interesting things I came across reading about this movie. Um, I guess up until like a day before filming, Gary Oldman was the only actor under contract. Um, And then the original director was going to be the dude that directed Old Boy. And the the vengeance. The original trilogy. old boy. 
The original, uh, not, not the shitty Spike Lee. Not old the boy. Spike Lee one. The, cur- no, the Korean the original director? one. Yes. So old boy and old man were teaming up. Uh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> As it was, this was directed by the director of uh, Let the Right One In, which is what he did before this, and then The Snowman, which is what he did after this, <laughs> and. Uh, so far, oh that has been all he has done. Wow! <laughs> the snowman is a is a classic train wreck. So movie are we story. saying he's one for three or two for three? What are we doing here? One and a half. Are we coming down on the side of this one? I mean, what's interesting about this movie is that uh, for all of the cast, and I'm guessing that like part of the reason why uh, the casting wasn't nailed down is that I bet a bunch of the people that appeared in this appeared in it for almost nothing. Like they just kind of did it as a favor to be a part of the movie Um, because the budget is crazy cheap. It's either $20 million or 20 million pounds. I think it's actually $20 million, which is insane. If you consider like that, it's a period drama and, it has Gary Oldman in it, like it that, and it's the those locations too. Like they have so many locations. Yeah, I mean this yeah, was before yeah, Tom Hardy and Benedict Cumberbatch were like big name draws, but you know even the amount of Colin Firth that they have in this movie is insane. For yeah, it's like Oldman, Firth, and Hurt. Yeah, equal more than twenty million dollars. <laughs> but I that, I think that also is why like like I felt that the movie. W- was edited to shit and that's not what happened it's it was adapted that way that's how they adapted the novel so they made it like as brief as possible like scene and then you better draw the information out of that scene that you can because it's not going to tie directly into the next scene and you're not going to need that information again for another 20-25 minutes Um, the couple that adapted this uh, Bridget O'Connor and Peter Strahan uh, won a BAFTA for Best Adapted Screenplay for this, which means the book, in my opinion, has to be n- almost unreadable um, that they that they were able to adapt it into, into what this is. Um, and it's actually, uh, at the very end, it says for Bridget O'Connor uh, because she died the year before the movie came out, so... So there you go. Stress, Uh, cancer actually, but good guess. As is tradition on this show, um, one of the podcasters suggests the next thing for us to watch. Did we get Zach's? Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, doesn't matter. I don't. I I don't care. We (laughs) never asked Zach what the hell. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. (laughs) Zach, what the hell, man? I just wanted to fuck with you guys, see if you could tell I was the mole. Um, <laughs> is that why you had an affair with my wife? Yeah. <laughs> and had sex with Aaron? I'm actually the Hannah under the... No. Um, You're I, the Hannah uh, under the table. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I saw this when it came out in theaters, and I left, a the- I left being like, holy shit, 
that was something. Um, <laughs> just like, just be, I mean, I loved it. I was really, because I, 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 I liked a lot of spy stuff since I was a kid. Um, and, and it kind of dabbled in it little bits here and there. Um, but I was just like, this was a different spy movie to me because they weren't focused on the enemy. They were focused on themselves. And so that was such a new and interesting story f- for me that I just found it to be so fascinating. And then, yeah, I kind of did forget about it for a little while. And then it crawled across my Netflix suggested uh, movies. And I was like, of course, I would love to revisit that. And I think that would make for a good discussion. Um, it is leaving Netflix pretty soon. So unfortunately, people will have to find it elsewhere, for the not on Netflix. Yeah, um, it's 10 years and, old at this point. It should be yeah. fairly easy to track down. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed the second viewing of it. I would even give it a third viewing uh, or more just because I do pick up little subtle nuances every time. And I just loved how focused they were on themselves and the idea of loyalty and patriotism, uh, duty to one's country. Um, I mean, even the line, you know, it's like I, I did it because, you know, it's my duty. I get the job done, um, you know, like knowing he was going to Budapest and probably going to die, like stuff like that, where it's just like they do it because that's what they're supposed to. Um, and then uh, this whole like thing to me this time, this time what I can't figure out is uh, and maybe we could talk about this just briefly before, you know, I know we've been, had a great discussion so far, but the whole Carla thing. Because I'm still, it's like the Kaiser Sose, where you're like, okay, they said who Carla was essentially, which I thought was Pachenkov, who was the no. am- ambassador, right? So I'm still like, who the fuck is Carla? Carla's another <laughs> like, Russian agent or like handler, right? Or I and thought he so, was maybe a superior, like a maybe a major KGB operative or something. That's, that's what I meant charge. by handler. Like he was, he's higher up than. Yeah, he's essentially control for Russia. Right. Yeah. So then think, I'm thinking about it in the terms of, all right, so take the scene where we she goes and visits the woman who watches all the videos. And she talks about how the guy salutes the guy next to him. who, And she's like, but why would he do that? Because certainly he can't be higher ranking than him. He's not wearing anything official or whatever. So that's that's Pachechnikov or whatever, right? Right. Yeah, um, that's the cultural attache that was witchcraft. Right. Yeah. And so that's the person that they are taking information to in the safe house, right? Right. And so then that's where I'm thinking that's like, but if Carla is higher up in the rankings, because we also know that Carla shows up often and nobody knows that it's Carla because Gary Oldman talks about how like he had that one interaction with him with the fingernail stuff back in the day. And now he has the lighter. So we know Carla was in Budapest because we see the lighter. And so it's just like, to me, I mean, do I'm wondering is like, do we see Carla more often than we think we do? You know, I don't think we see Carla at all, but but we don't know. I think we just hear about I, him. I, I'm, I'm, conv- I'm sort of convinced because I think there's a scene where they're all in the safe house at the very end. They're all doing their things. And then Colin Firth is in there and that guy leaves and he's a Russian guy and he briefly leaves. And I'm like, is that Carla? Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Right? That's interesting. Yeah. Because Oldman knows who Carla is, but he doesn't remember what he looks like. Or so, so he says. Yeah. I don't I didn't I don't believe know, him man. for a second when he said that. It's like, <laughs> what does he look like? And he's just kind of like I don't remember. Cause I almost think that they like playing these cat and mouse games as spy guys. You know what I mean? Like if, if you catch your opponent, 
the spy game uh, there's gonna be another one but then like the game's over for you you know yeah it's this espionage level that like it's like they don't want to really catch carla because they want to keep playing spy games well and you know? carla steals the lighter so that he can he can make it known to gary oldman that it was him that like talked to the other guy the the attache <laughs> guy mark strong's well mark strong's character oh mark yeah mark strong, strong he had yeah. your he had your lighter well he didn't say right. you had your lighter he said he had a lighter that he kept showing yeah. me that had this but inscription what, on it yeah yeah but he knew what the inscription was but he didn't know it was gary oldman's lighter george from Anne, i think is pretty telling but okay hmm yeah I don't know. See, that's what I'm saying. It, it almost requires so many different viewings because you, as a viewer, are putting so many pieces together that you almost confuse yourself with what you already have. Well, that's yeah. the thing. I probably wouldn't remember a lot of that if it wasn't my third viewing of it either. So uh, yeah. I'll, I'll quote one of my favorite movies of all time. You, you, your mind starts to play tricks on you, so you play tricks back. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, so uh, as far as our next movie I've decided next month is February we're going to have a a month of Fincher a David Fincher February Um, we have and we're going to we're going to look at some some less uh, less well known less talked about less celebrated Fincher films. Uh, we have an, an archive episode of us talking about Alien 3 uh, with Zach, but I'm talking about uh, The Game, Panic Room, and Zodiac. So next week, Jodie Foster in Panic Room from 2002 is going to be our, our movie. And we're going to watch all kinds of insane david fincher tricks like getting a camera to float through the handle of a coffee carafe (laughs) (laughs) but that is another episode for another day thanks everybody for joining us and i mean literally everyone for joining us to talk (laughs) about um tinker taylor soldier spy thriller and uh thanks everybody (laughs) out there for listening we will see you on the next deeply discussing movie podcast